Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 329 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be back here. Yes, it's lovely to have you back on. It's been a little while since you've been on the show. What have you been up to? Let's start with, I watched The Eternals, yes. um, which is now available for you on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Because I'm cheap and I wasn't going to pay for it at Premiere. Yeah, I did the same. Yes. <laughs> it's not a Marvel movie. It strikes you again and again as you watch it, and especially at the end when you sort of absorb everything, how very much unlike it is every other property, including the recent shows, that is from the rest of the Disney Plus Marvel brand. Yes. It's not a bad film. I wouldn't particularly say anything negative about it, but watching it makes you wonder why we had this where we could have just popped this out and had everything else two months earlier. I don't want to get too just spoilers, but from watching it, you don't really feel that you'll be seeing these characters again yeah. elsewhere. I mean, yeah. you might see them in a sequel, but you won't see them in the rest of the MCU. And all there's like some references to the MCU. I mean, they're just token bits of dialogue at best. Yeah. There's no real tie. And it feels like the sort of like first couple of seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where the marketing people were trying to convince everyone that the MCU and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was one thing when we all knew it wasn't. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean about that. There isn't really any major tie-in to the rest of the universe at all, apart from the occasional reference. I mean, it was perfectly enjoyable as a film, but it really could could fit pretty much anywhere after the timeline. Do you think it might have worked better as a series as well? Because there was a lot of characters in there. Perhaps padded out with a few more fights and a little bit more character development because everybody sort of came out of that fairly bland. Yes. There wasn't a lot of thing going on. I think probably the best character is what's-his-name's assistant. Yes. He clearly just outshined the rest of the cast easily. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's off. I remember, obviously, when it came out in the cinemas and people talked about it and they were like, yeah, it was good, but it's not a Marvel film. And obviously, without context, you know, I didn't know what sort of form that takes. But now that's it, yeah. I'll put it this way. If it wasn't a Marvel film, I definitely wouldn't have ever watched it. Right, yeah. I kind of know what you mean. I mean, I... I I thought it was enjoyable enough and I like the cast in it. Gemma's great. Kamal is wonderful and you've got like a couple of the Game of Thrones guys in there who are fine. It's all perfectly okay but it's just mm-hmm. not up there you know. You know what it reminds me? It reminds me of something like The Old Guard. Right. It's no, it's, I put it at that sort of level. Yeah. Nice set pieces. Looks like a bit of money has been spent in it but there's not much more than that. Yeah. In fact The Old Guard does a much better job of establishing the characteristics 
of the people. Their personalities come out a lot more of the old guard, which right. is a fa- fairly similar project because it's about immortals and, you know, the effect of what happens when you live forever and you watch generations of man come and go. Yeah. And I feel like they put things up much better than that than they did in The Eternals. I think that's a fair point. I mean, it was one of those films that as they added a few more twists as you got through it, I was sort of enjoying it more. And by the end, I was sort of like, yeah, that was fun enough. I didn't regret watching it. But It's Fine is not really the level you should be aiming for. It should be a bit more than that. You know, it's a Marvel film. It should be, apart from like you say, it's not a Marvel film. But, you know, it should be aiming a bit higher you think I feel like that I mean the biggest tie-in to the rest of the MCU came in the final scene that's something that yeah. I had to look up for it to actually become relevant to me because I couldn't figure it out just from the scene itself so that felt especially sort of wedged in there yeah watching I'm surprised because we know that Marvel can get pretty trigger happy when it comes to booting directors and starting again or you know starting massive amounts of reshoots but I don't know mm-hmm. I just yeah it, it just feels like inhuman all over again to be honest yeah I mean I don't think it was quite to the level of being I mean Inhumans was pretty awful but I don't think it's quite that bad mm. by any stretch I don't know it's it's weird it needed it did needed somebody with a bit more about them I think directing it and I just don't think that she quite had it and had it been in the hands of somebody like a Takita Wahiti or a James Gunn you know I mean you look at what he did with Guardians which was another weird sort mm-hmm. of obscure property it needed somebody with a slightly off the wall maybe kind of view of it to be able to kind of make it work and and i think guardians also definitely benefit from the fact that it came so early yes so it's definitely not held up to the same standards Mm -hmm. as more recent fair would be yes i think that's possibly fair as well it's an odd one i liked it i thought it was interesting as i say it's kind of like a sort of setup to something that i think a second movie might be slightly more interesting an awful lot of background to get to a point where you go okay well this could be a slightly more interesting thing towards the end of the film you okay, know I can see that yeah. you know so it ends up being this sort of long long setup for the entire movie and then the last sort of 10 minutes are like oh okay yeah no, well that's kind of interesting so I don't know I suspect we are going to see another one I think so as well everything I've read seems to say that Marvel liked what Hoja did and would happily bring him on for another one yeah so I don't it's a weird one because it's certainly fan-wise is not the highest rated film but we'll see if it comes back that does seem to be the impression that we're getting is they are going to continue it but I'm sort of with you it was fine it's a kind of oddity but yes so what else have you been doing? Uh, the other thing I've been watching is Chosen on Netflix so that premiered two weeks ago and it is a Danish show so it's not to be confused with I believe The Chosen that stars Mala Vintimiglia or something right it's a Danish teen show it is is a sci-fi mystery mm-hmm. it consists of six episodes and it follows a teenager who finds a world turned upside down when she discovers disturbing truth lurking in her sleepy Danish town so this is another one of those Nordic sci-fi noirs mm-hmm. where you know the town that's on its last legs and desperately needs something to keep it going and it 
starts out with a lot of promise, but unfortunately it sort of fizzles out from there. Yeah. I did write a review about it. You can check on that hashtag show if you search Hunter by name. But it starts interesting because the idea is that in this town, the docks closed down and basically it was on its way to becoming a ghost town. That is until 17 or so years ago when a meteorite struck the local pub right. and, just and just destroyed it. So you obviously got all the scientists and alien geeks to visit the town and it was sort of reinvigorated. Right. And we sort of rejoined the story just as when that sort of started tail off and that's not easy money making as it once was. Right, yeah. And it starts with this girl just doing something at work which gets her fired and gets her questioning things. It's only six episodes. Sort of feels like the Danes wanted to do an adaption of Stranger Things. <laughs> right. It has it has that sort of feeling, although the teens are a lot older. Yeah. And obviously it's more about aliens and it's about weird horror stuff. But it has lots of thriller elements in it. Bar parts that are quite scary, but not necessarily way of jump scares. It has potential, but it doesn't really come through. By the end of it, it feels more like the first half of the season than an actual season. Right. There's lots of questions. You get one reveal. Nothing else has really been resolved. There's a betrayal and then it ends and that's it. Mm, yeah. To me, it feels like when I was watching the first season of Dark, which I still haven't got through, in that it's really quite slow. The characters are interesting. There's this group of kids who, they're conspiracy nuts, and they're things they observe people. And right. we sort of see the amount of like information they've pulled up and on the rest of the town is quite fairly frightening. Right. It's almost interesting, but it's not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder whether it's one of those things that they've kind of made in two halves and there's more supposed to come. Yeah, if or... it was Netflix confirmed there's season two, then it's worth a watch. But I wouldn't start watching until you know there's more. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just going to leave very annoyed that you've watched this and it's gone nowhere. Yes, which is slightly awkward. It's one of those things that if they'd announced at the start that it's 10 episodes split into two seasons of five yeah. or something, you'd be like, okay, well, that's the first half. Whereas now yeah. you've got six episodes and it doesn't really reveal anything and you've no idea whether it's going to get renewed for a second season. So that's going to stop people wanting to go and watch it. And if people don't go and watch it, they're less likely to redo it. So exactly, yeah. yeah. You get into that horrible situation. Oh, well, we'll see whether it turns up again. At the moment, it doesn't yeah. seem to be cancelled or renewed. It's just the six episodes, so we'll mm -hmm. see. But, I mean, it did only come out at the end of January, so... Yeah, so it is literally only, like, two weeks old. Yeah, so we'll see. On to something else which has actually already been cancelled. I know yeah. what you did last summer. Indeed, which is a horror TV series, which is not all based on I Know What You Did Last Summer, so it's a precious point to use in that title. Oh, really? Which I think might have... I mean, other than the fact that someone died and then someone seeks revenge, a year later but I'm pretty sure that's not only I know you did last summer who's done that right, in yeah, the history yeah. of horror films so it follows twins one good and one bad which is a little bit virtual but never mind yes and that's, that's and Madison Eisman plays both of them I believe it's set on Hawaii but I don't know which island but basically we see one night at a party one gets drunk and things are said and at the end of the first episode which I don't think is really 
giveaway because it's the end of the first episode. One of the twins runs the other one over with all their friends in it because they were drunk and they weren't paying attention. Right. And they believe her to be dead and get rid of the body. And obviously you see where this is going. Yes. <laughs> but I have to say, after watching the entire thing, it's, I took a while because I, I watched like three episodes and I probably left it for a month or two then I came back and I watched a few more and then I watched it to the end. It's a pretty fun show. It reminds me of the first season of Scream, which I thought was really good television, but it just fell off a cliff and when it went into season two. But the kills are gruesome. <laughs> the storyline is very interesting because we sort of learn more about the twin who died and basically how messed up and manipulative she was. Right. And that sort of leads to other things. There's also a cult that used to be around and lots of other secrets and lies, which you tend to get in these sorts of horrors. And <laughs> it, it all keeps things pushing along. You're never watching an episode and thinking, I'm bored. I'm watching an episode going, I want to see the next one. I can see what happens with this and what happens with this. Right. So I've really did enjoy watching it. Particular shout out to Rianne Ju. She was also in another horror TV show that I really liked, which was Light as a Feather. Yes. But she has so much more to do in this one. Mm -hmm. I will give it away, but it was great. So I would I would say, whereas I was telling you to wait on Chosen, we know that I know we did last summer's already been cancelled, which is a shame. I've started to worry about Amazon. They've sort of picked up that Netflix disease of <laughs> pulling the trigger on decent shows. Yeah. Uh, especially because they cancelled Panic, which was an amazing show. Right. But I would urge you to watch, I know it did last summer, it works as a single season horror. Okay. I don't think you necessarily see the ending coming and it's a lot of fun getting there. Good. But again, it bears no connection to I know it did last summer. Yes. Well, I mean, there were books as well. I mean, it's sort of said that it's supposedly based on the novel, but I've not read the novel either, so I have no idea how close that was <laughs> but yeah that was a fun watch cool and the final thing is see for me which is available on vod and see for me is the name of an app which sight impaired people could download for their phones and it allows a third party to look through their rear facing camera so they can quite literally use it to have someone see for them right i got this as part of a review because it's made in canada and that's what i do yep. so did a review in it and you can find it on my site which is hollywood north news net yeah here's a synopsis when blind former skier sophie cat sits in a secluded mansion three thieves invade for the hidden safe sophie's only defense is army veteran kelly kelly helps sophie defend herself against the invaders to survive so from that you get it's a home invasion with a twist as sophie which is former skier is stuck in there with the three thieves but obviously she can't see anything and because of that it raises the thriller aspect of it the tension remains high throughout the film and it's pretty interesting there's some really good twists and turns in there which i absolutely did not see coming and made things more interesting it's got a wealth of canadian talent people who you might have seen in various things so oh, yeah. kim coates who's incredibly famous has been around for a long time veteran actor yes was in sons of anarchy yep and a lot of other things he's in a canadian crime series bad blood he popped up in van helsing as well oh yeah he popped up yeah. in van helsing in that wild last season and it's got emily pigford who you might remember from the horror series with oh, hemlock grove there you go i always forget the name of that show yes very early netflix series that was oh god was that jeez that's going back a while but also laura vandervert the yes, first supergirl for those who might know yeah i'm um, also in canadian horror adventure bitten where she was a lead yes and jessica parker kennedy who you might know as excess on the flash yes one of barry allen's twins from the future so it's a really fun show obviously i get as 
you must do. You get loads of emails from production companies saying, oh, check this out. And I, I just thought the premise sounded interesting and it really works. It's a lot better than a lot of the straight to DVD sort of things that I see. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And if you like home invasions and that sort of thriller, I think you'll like this one. Yeah. That was, that's quite interesting. It's an interesting sort of twist on it, I think. Yeah. yeah. And more twists once you get into it. Awesome. That sounds really good. For me, the big thing that I'd be watching, Reacher. I've been watching that too, yeah. The new Amazon series. Reacher, if you're somehow unaware of it, because we have mentioned it a few times, but uh, based on the Jack Reacher novels, I described it as a bit like sort of what if Sherlock Holmes could bench press a car? Because <laughs> yeah. there is a certain amount of that to it. But I mean, the basic premise for it is he's uh, ex-army. He's sort of a drifter. He turns up in this town. He's kind of minding his own business. He gets off the Greyhound bus and walks into this town sits down to try and eat some pie at a local restaurant and immediately gets arrested because there's been a murder and somebody saw this supposed drifter walking down the road who was this really big dude and thought, oh, well, he looks suspicious. That then turns into sort of him getting involved in the murder case and a larger conspiracy coming out of it. It, of course, has been a film which starred very inappropriately Tom Cruise because Richard... Two films. Two films, yes, you're quite right. Tom Cruise starred in both of those, which I don't think I've actually seen them, but I may have no, seen one of them, but I apparently were quite good, but was not Reacher, because yeah. Reacher is supposed to be this huge, hulking, six foot four, massive, muscly guy, which Tom Cruise is definitely not that. So it's Alan Richardson in the lead role of this, who you may know as Hawk from, Titan, Hawk from Titans, Aquaman in Smallville. He was in that series Blood Drive as well, that sort of short-lived sci-fi show. So he's been in a number of different things but yeah Hawk from Titans is probably the thing that he's most yeah. recently been in and he's great I mean he's got the right build he looks good he's got the right level of sort of serious and kind of jokey sarcasm to it and, and it works really really well in that role Malcolm Goodwin is in there from iZombie who again plays a sort of slightly stuffy cop which is sort of what he played in iZombie he's playing the chief detective of Margrave which is this little town that he's ended up in Willa Fitzgerald is in there from Scream as well and uh, Bruce McGill is in there from Rizzoli and Isles I mean he's been in a million things but Rizzoli and Isles is where I know him from yeah that's where I recognise him from yeah I thought they did a really wonderful job it's from Nick Santora who did Scorpion and Prison Break and Lie to Me he also did two of the decent Quibi shows he did Most Dangerous Game and their version of The Fugitive with um, Kiefer Sutherland in it Nick Santora's got a really really good style for these sort of action things and um, I thought the balance was really well done with this in that there is enough sort of investigation things with some good solid action sequences they're not shying away from like the violence of it but they're not wallowing in it either it was really really well balanced it's got a great little mystery to it there's some lovely little twists that you don't necessarily see coming I really thoroughly enjoyed it what did you think? I really liked it given that there was a lot of time spent when the movies come out explaining what exactly what sort of person he is he definitely is that there's a first scene he's about to walk into a cafe and this guy is taking out his frustration on his girlfriend and he just stops and stares at him and you can just you feel it you can feel the heat of his gaze yeah. while you're watching and he just 
stops him. And he does that a couple more times during the show where he just stops, he gets serious, and you know, oh dear, this man might kill me. There's a few wonderful little scenes where he very much treats the sort of violence as a kind of last resort. You know, he's not like out to go and punch people. He's He yeah. says, you need to stop doing that. Otherwise, it's not going to end well for you. I'm telling you, walk away. And the person obviously doesn't. And you end up with the you know, Reacher just putting them down very swiftly. I think it's just very well constructed in terms of how they've handled that. You know, yeah. it's not gratuitous. The fight sequences are really well put together and sometimes can be over incredibly quickly. But it sort of works for the type of person he is. You know, he's this kind of gentle giant, but not somebody you want to mess with. Alan just exudes that kind of, uh, like you say, you know, when you when he just looks at that guy, you're like, yeah, I'm not going near him. You know, <laughs> it just works so well. But on the flip side of that, he plays the jokier side of it brilliantly as well. And then you've got this lovely relationship with Roscoe, who is one of the police officers, one of the first people to be nice to him once he's been brought in for this murder. Malcolm Goodwin's great as this really buttoned up captain that is obviously struggling to deal with this ape that's basically come in and he's disrupting his nice calm world. And they've also got this murder to sort of solve. And that turns into a really kind of interesting little mystery. I just think it's very well constructed, very well put together. It's based on the first Reacher book. There are, I don't know, 24 books or something in the series. So it's not like they're going to be short of stories to pick from. Uh, I don't know whether they're going to go through them in order or whether they're going to start just pulling them out as they work out which ones they think work best for TV translations, because with the best will in the world, I can't see them doing 24 seasons of this. I mean, yeah, there may be, but I think it's probably unlikely. And he's still writing the novels as well. So, I mean, you know, by the time they get to 24, there could be another five or six books afterwards. So it's a good, solid adaptation. It's an adaptation which is much closer to what Lee Childs, who wrote the novels, had in mind, I think. Yeah. He seems happier with it. I would absolutely go. This is one of the closest sort of like dealing with detectives or action things or book ever. You can hear it, you can hear it in the dialogue. Some of the things he says, some of the interactions when they start explaining things and starts talking about you get those when you read Sherlock Holmes books and you yes. don't get that in pretty much any other show which has an investigator. Yeah. Even some bit say like it explains more in a better way than say house did for those things. You know, that's pretty much what House is known for. Yeah, yeah. It explains it really well. So I actually looked at it and went, oh, that's different. That's very much like they just pulled it directly off the page. Yeah, they do do a very good job of laying that stuff out and I think one of the things that makes Reacher quite an interesting character is as I said it sort of is a bit like what if Sherlock Holmes could bench press a car because there's a lot of elements of sort of Sherlock in terms of the way that he thinks he's incredibly observant and there are conversations that he has about well you know there was this on his shoes or is it you know Mm. so that potentially means this or there is these little details you know and it makes sense because of his background in his army he's he's very aware and hyper focused and picks up on these little things so it makes Reacher although he's like this big 
brutish looking character he's actually incredibly intelligent very quiet very observant i just think it makes him a very very interesting character it's a very enjoyable series and uh, i really would urge you to go and watch it because i think it's superb but that whole first season is up on amazon now but definitely want to go and watch i think other things i watched this week i caught the first episode of murderville i don't know whether you've seen this have you seen murder in successful which is the british thing that it's based off no but i've seen a lot of press about murderville yes the basic premise of murderville is it's a parody of a cop show with will Arnett in the lead role as this sort of typical gruff cop the unique thing about the show is he has a celebrity partner every week and Mm. the partner does not know the script so they're improv it's improv yeah it is basically improv for the first episode it's conan o'brien who is brought in and conan is not told the script at all so he's put in these situations where he has to sort of try and work out ultimately who the murderer is so it's sort of like watching a sort of televised celebrity murder mystery nights that Mm -hmm. you know people hold and unfortunately it's kind of as bad as you possibly would expect watching that to be um it's just a little cringy all the way through and it's sort of funny in places i just don't feel like it quite works and i mean there are points where they're blatantly corpsing and conan said something which is completely ridiculous there are points where you can see will on it or one of the other cast of like just laughing at something where they broke in character it's just a little weird and i'm not convinced it quite works it almost feels part game showy and part comedy and i don't know it's a really strange mix and certainly from that first episode i I didn't really feel it found its feet at all it's very odd and i've not seen the british version either so i can't kind of compare but i will be interested to go and have a look at that and see how that one works but yeah i just i don't know i just don't think that it particularly works but it's interesting concept and will arnett is very watchable but i yeah just a little weird so i've i possibly skipped that other things this week raising dion came back so i've started working my way through that that's been really good you know basically a sort of preteen superhero dealing with those powers or rather his mother dealing with those powers really fun first series and uh, i really enjoyed the second season of that seal team came back as well which is as solid as ever and the other thing i watched the first episode of was the curse which is this um, comedy oh. drama It's on Channel 4 and it's set in the 80s. It's sort of based on a real story, although it comes up with a card at the front saying some of these things may have happened. (laughs) So they've taken a lot of liberties with like how they write it. It's set in London in the early 80s. It follows a gang of really hopeless small-time crooks who were part of one of the biggest heists in history. And essentially, there is one guy that works at a warehouse. He says, hey, this warehouse has got really lax security. I reckon they've got about 30 grand in the safe. We could go and rob it. So this group of complete idiots kind of get together and there's a sort of wannabe gangster, a washed up ex-boxer, which is played by Tom Davies, who also actually wrote it. They go and rob this warehouse. There's not really a huge amount of money in there, but just as they leave, they spot a pile of gold bullion, which randomly is just sat there out on the loading dock and end up walking away with it. That's basically 
the first episode. It's not really spoiling anything because it tells you all that in the write-up for it. I mean, that's the entire premise of it. But that is basically the arc of the first episode. He's meeting all the characters and them actually doing the robbery that gets them the gold. It's loosely inspired by a robbery in the 80s. But as I say, I, I think it's very, very loosely inspired. It was quite funny. I quite enjoyed it. The director of it is James DeFrand, who was actually the person behind King Gary and Murdering Successful, King Gary being the other thing that Tom Davies was involved with. They've won BAFTAs and stuff working together as well. So, you know, it's got a good pair of people behind it. I will go and watch the rest of it because it is kind of fun and silly. It's only half an hour for an episode and I think there are six episodes, so there's only like three hours worth of stuff. First episode was entertaining enough and uh, I think it's one worth going to look up. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So we start off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Actually, no major cancellations this week, although there is one potential upcoming cancellation, which has been in the press all over the place. Channel 5 have opted to drop Neighbours from the summer after, well, not entirely Channel 5, but it's been on air for 37 years. Uh, Originally on the BBC, it went to Channel 5 in 2008. They're basically saying that it's not due to the numbers it just saying our current focus is on increasing investment in original UK drama. Basically, Neighbours survives because of that deal with Channel 5, though. That's the problem. Although it is an Australian-made show, you know, obviously it's all set in Australia um, and it is made by an Australian network, they rely on the money that they have from the deal with Channel 5 to be able to actually make the show. So without another international broadcaster, they are going to struggle to keep it going and it will probably end up getting cancelled. I think they've got until June to be able to find somebody else to pick it up. And I mean, its numbers weren't bad. It's actually, I think, the fourth largest soap in the UK. It's it's ahead of Home and Away, which Channel 5 is sticking with purely because I think they have a lifetime deal for that. Yeah. I haven't watched Neighbours in years. I mean, nope. you know, so, but it is regularly getting one, one and a half million for Channel 5, and which is not a bad number. I mean, it's not as high as things like Coronation Street, which is, I think, around four or five million, but it's still not bad. It's doing better than Hollyoaks. I mean, Hollyoaks, I think, is about, you know, 600,000. So it's not like it's not bringing in numbers. The problem is... I can't see who else would pick this up at this point. No. Because it's kind of out of the BBC's remit. I can't see them going to step back in to pick it up. ITV, maybe, as a daytime soap, possibly. UK TV, Mm. possibly. I mean, would be the only other people I can think of, but... (sighs) I feel, I feel like I can only assume that the amount of money is probably going to put people off. Because yeah. let's just say, if it's like half of their budget, I can't think of too many sort of 
of digital providers who would be mm. happy to shell that out. Yeah, I think that would be the problem. Like, I think UK TV would probably be interested in it, but the problem is the amount of money it would probably cost to get mm-hmm. the rights to it. That sort of leaves you with the bigger broadcasters. Now, the bigger broadcasters, ITV is the only one I can see possibly taking it, but yeah, even but that, think, I'm not convinced. Yeah, this is terrible news. I mean, you've got, you've got to think about it this way. In 10 years, what is Hollywood going to do for half of its actors if, <laughs> they, if they haven't already been in Neighbours? I mean, yeah. they're going to they have to, like, either a whole way is going to have to double up on its episodes or something because we need to get more talent ready Yes, for yeah. the move to Hollywood. Everybody will have to go through Home and Away instead. I mean, you yeah, know. They'll have, like, six episodes of Home and Away a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, twice as many sure characters. To make sure we have enough time to get, yeah, to get all those extra characters in. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it is ridiculous the amount of people that came through there. I mean, you know, Guy Pearce, Russell Crowe, uh, Margaret Robbie was in there as well. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, you know, obviously the Kylie, Jason, all those sort of people and, and yeah. Natalie and Brulia and all the other 80s pop stars and stuff. It has been a training ground for them. Um, I would be very sad to see it go, even if I haven't watched it for like 25 years. But it's been such an institution on British TV. It would be very sad yeah. to see it just disappear this way. Mm-hmm. I hope they manage to sort something out with it, but we'll see. But they've got until June to be able to sort some sort of deal out somewhere and try and rescue it. But at the moment, Channel 5 have definitely confirmed that they are dropping it in the summer. So we'll see whether it lands anywhere else. On to renewals. We have a few of those this week. Euphoria, I think, to the surprise of absolutely no one, has been renewed for a third season. Uh, HLV, that's just been a huge show for HBO, so I'm not shocked that's coming back. Doogie Kamakola MD has been renewed for a second season at uh, Disney+, Plus, which, I mean, I haven't watched the first one, but that will be coming back. Somebody Somewhere has been renewed for a second season at HBO. That was a comedy. Uh, the L Word Generation Q renewed by Showtime for a third season. And SEAL Team renewed for a sixth season on Paramount Plus as well, which I was very good news because they were making noises at the end of the fifth season about whether that they weren't entirely sure whether that was going to come back or not. So, uh, yeah, the move to Paramount Plus seems to have worked for it because obviously in the UK it's still on Sky, but in the US it started the first five episodes went out on CBS and then the second five episodes went out on Paramount Plus and the audience went and followed it as well. That seemed to have been a good strategy for them. It seems to be doing What's well over there, which is good. As for Doogie Kamealoha getting yeah. renewed, definitely feels like Disney sort of put Peyton Elizabeth Lee as their next big star. Right. But there, she has that like secret society of second born no- nobles. Yes. yes. And she was in Andy Mack was it beforehand something so like that yes I think they they see big things potentially for her right to get two starring shows pretty much back to back and a film which might turn into a film series so yeah, yeah. Secret Society of Second Born Royals that's it yes I mean I've not watched the show apparently I seem to remember reading somewhere the reason she's called Doogie Kamakola is because of the fact that she was a fan of this 80s TV show called Doogie Hauser <laughs> I think they've gone that better with it. That it's, is pretty meta. It's kind of weird, but I've not seen it. I can't judge it, but uh, yes, apparently that is coming back. That's on Disney Plus, so uh, that will be returning. A few other bits of news that we've got in terms of uh, things coming up. Uh, one popped up out of nowhere, which may have been announced before, but completely bypassed me. Uh, there is an animation called Cat Burglar coming, which is coming on the 22nd of February to Netflix. It's one of those interactive things that Netflix did a few of and then kind of dropped for a bit, but it's Hex Avery inspired cartoon from the creators of Black Mirror. So 
Yeah, I mean, that's particularly weird. By answering witty trivia questions, viewers must help Rowdy Cat get one over on Peanut the Security Pup and break into a museum to steal some prized paintings. So it's one of those sort of choose-your-own-adventure interactive things done in the style of Tex Avery with trivia questions from the creators of Black Mirror. I mean, if it's from Charlie Brooker, God knows what we'll end up with. But um, I, I suspect it could get very, very weird as you before you get into it. That's called Cat Burglar, and it's coming on the 22nd of February. So that would be an interesting one to play around with. Filming has begun on a couple of new BBC shows. Uh, Bloodlands has started filming their second season. That's the James Nesbitt drama. I quite enjoyed the first season of that. That was quite good. Strike Troubled Blood as well, which is the next Strike novel. That has started filming as well this week. So that will be returning presumably later in the year or early next year. I don't know, but uh, they have started filming that already. So that will be coming back few other things gentleman jack as well also bbc hbo show spring 2022 that is landing they haven't given an exact date for that yet but they've sent out some first look images for it so uh, you can keep an eye out for that on the website you can go and track it and uh, the orville new horizons which is the name that they're giving to the third season since it's moved off fox and is now a hulu show oh okay that is um coming for its third season finally which has been long gestated but because uh, they started talking about moving it because Seth MacFarlane, who creates the show, couldn't get it up and running quick enough for it to be able to go out on Fox in time. So they moved it to Hulu and then the pandemic happened. And then trying to film this particular show in a pandemic is quite difficult because you're dealing with a lot of people in prosthetics regularly. So that obviously had a lot of COVID issues with it as well. So they had a lot of problems getting the third season just technically shot and they've also said that the scope is a lot bigger and they actually put up a clip of the opening of the third season and there's this huge space battle in it it's ridiculous so there's a load of work it's uh the guys at fuse effects i think that do the uh, fx work for it which we've interviewed a few times and uh, they do a spectacular job with it but they've got this huge space battle in it and that clips up on the website but they have said that uh, thursday june 2nd it's landing on hulu in the usa it will be coming to Disney Plus in the UK because it is a Hulu Disney series. We don't know when. We don't know whether it's going to land day and date with Hulu in the US or whether there's going to be some delay, which there is with some of the Hulu shows. We don't know, but apparently it is coming to Disney Plus in the UK. It'll be June 2nd or sometime June, July in the UK. We don't know. The Orville New Horizons, it's going to be called. That will be one to look out for. I do love the first two seasons of that show. I thought it was wonderfully fun. So moving on to uh, some other new upcoming shows or potential upcoming shows, the CW has handed out three pilot orders, all for sort of things that are kind of spin-offs of two direct spin-offs and one kind of spin-off of things that they already have. Uh, First one is The Winchesters, which if your name sounds familiar, it's because it's a spin-off from or rather prequel series to Supernatural. It's focused on John and Mary, who are Sam and Dean's parents. The series will be told from the perspective of narrator Dean Winchester, which is 
Jensen Eccles doing the voice for it, mm-hmm. uh, and is the epic untold love story of how John met Mary and how they put it all on the line, not only to save their love, but the entire world. Uh, Jensen, Interesting. Yeah, that's the setup for it. It is actually coming from Jensen. Uh, this was the thing that there was a bit of a problem with it when it was announced because it got leaked by deadline very, very early on, and Jensen hadn't told Jared anything about it, and it yeah. came up in the newsfeed and Jared went, what the hell? I don't know anything about this and ended up with having to be a somewhat apologetic phone call from Jensen to Jared. They're all fine. He understood. Basically, Jensen's very superstitious and doesn't talk about projects in case they don't happen before they're kind of signed and sealed. And this was not signed and sealed at the time. So he just hadn't discussed it with Jared. And uh, yeah, so it sort of blindsided Jared a bit, but they're, they're all cool. It's all sorted. He did an interview on uh, the Michael Rose Barman side you podcast and said yeah he explained what happened and just sort of said yeah it's uh, unfortunate but it happened that way but it got out and mm. it, that wasn't the point jensen and his wife that are exec producing it alongside robbie thompson who was a co-exec producer on supernatural so he might not have sam and dean in it but it has got the some connection to it we don't know who's playing john and mary they're going to be younger than the older versions we've seen so it's not going to be the older versions that we've seen in the show they have a younger actors playing john and mary in the show before whether it's them don't know or whether they're just gonna seems unlikely cast fresh they may just yeah. cast completely fresh don't know winchester's supernatural prequel that that in your wheelhouse no i've had enough of supernatural to be honest and also it's interesting because i can this doesn't really tally with the law that we've seen on supernatural because i remember the whole point that the father didn't know about what the mother did until after death and that's what started the boys off on their journey yes um, so that synopsis doesn't really tally with what we know and i hate when they do that with prequels but yeah i've had enough supernatural and i'm still bitter about wayward sisters so i don't think i'll be watching it. <laughs> yes they've had a few goes that tried to get this off the ground yeah I this mean, is their third one now yeah this is their third attempt at trying to do like some stuff well yeah i mean given that jensen is more directly involved in this and the problem was and they always said i mean the guy that was in charge of the cws basically said they can make supernatural for as long as they like but the problem with the spin-offs has always been that supernatural is sam and dean so at least this is going to have some connection with dean in there as the sort of narrator for it but whether they manage to pull this off i don't know we'll have to wait and see mm-hmm. sticking with former supernatural stars the other pilot is for a spin-off from walker which is jared padalecki's current show it's called walker independence it's a prequel it's set in the late 1800s follows abby walker an affluent bostonian whose husband is murdered before her eyes while on the journey out west on a quest for revenge abby crosses paths with hoyt rollins a lovable rogue in search of a purpose Abby and Hoyt journey takes them to Independence, Texas, where they encounter diverse eclectic residents running from their own troubled pasts and chasing their dreams. Our newfound family will struggle with the changing world around them while becoming agents of change themselves in a town where nothing is what it seems. That's the setup for that. This is difficult for me to have any opinion about because Walker hasn't dead over here and I've not seen any episodes of it. I don't know whether you've managed to get any previews no, of it. No, I haven't seen anything about it. 
all I've really caught is the amusement of this prequel coming up. Right. Because I think it seems that Walker's sort of like, people sort of look at it as it's average. So right. it's really quite a thing to see that it's coming out after a season. And yes. That's, yeah. So I feel like this one has less chance of sticking. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, and again, the draw of Walker, I think, was... Jared Padalecki when it was first launched so you're then launching a spin-off which doesn't have him in it so I don't know Padalecki's going to be exact producing it Um, it's got the Walker showrunner behind it as as EP as well and you know so it's the same team behind it but who knows whether that'll land or not the third thing that they're doing is a thing called Gotham Knights it's from Belanti Productions who are the people behind the Arrowverse and it's created by three of the Batwoman writers, although it has no connection to Batwoman. Apparently, it's not a spin-off series. Yeah. So, where this will sit in the whole pantheon of kind of Arrowverse, Titan stuff, Superman and Lois, who knows? But I think we spoke about this a few weeks ago, but it's set in the wake of Bruce Wayne's murder. His rebellious adopted son forges an unlikely alliance with the children of Batman's enemies when they were all framed for killing the Cape Crusader. As the city's most wanted criminals, this renegade band of misfits must fight to clear their names but in a gotham with no dark knight to protect it the city descends into the most dangerous it's ever been however hope comes from the most unexpected of places as the team of mismatched fugitives will become their next generation of saviors known as gotham knights so it sort of feels like it might have a maybe slightly jokier feel to it possibly i don't know no, I, don't, I didn't get no i didn't really get that Do you wonder, i would say i'll put the other way i think it looks more like, it appears more like a, uh, another thing along the lines of more titans less doom patrol possibly i don't know i mean it, it's talking about them being sort of a renegade band of misfits i mean i think it's not just down to the fact that you have like the wild robin and the rest of them are all children of villains yeah maybe i don't know possibly i it's difficult to know which way they're going to go with it that's the thing with the Belanti stuff is it's so widely varied got sort of much more sort of serious dark stuff like Titans mm-hmm. then you've got ridiculous things like Doom Patrol and then you've mm-hmm. got Stargirl which is sort of higher production quality than the Arrowverse but not connected and then you've yeah. got Superman and Lois which is doing its own thing as well so it, it's weird and um, the other thing mm-hmm. of course which they don't make particularly clear in here is which adopted son you're going to get in fact that adopted thing that's pretty new because I've seen several press things that doesn't say adopted which had they went tearing their hair out trying to figure out which one it was well I mean but, it's, it's obviously adopted makes it a little bit easier to figure it out well yeah but if it had said rebellious son i would have assumed yeah, then you was... think then you would assume damien yeah you would assume damien and that would sort of make sense because he's like the murderous little psychopath <laughs> that would go and team up with the criminal underworld and think that he could control them and and i i think mm-hmm. damien is the right person to do this with but the original press release did say yeah. adopted son oh okay. whether they've changed that now and whether they've just changed <laughs> no, it to they, son all the ones I saw just had son. Okay. It's, only, it's only this one that I've seen that says that, that made it adopted because I went, oh. Or oh, chasing that. It's, it's as simple as that. Well, yeah. Because I the mean, other two have never been described as rebellious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of got to be with Damien or Jason because that doesn't fit Tim and it doesn't fit Dick. But I sort of sort of think it makes more sense if it was Damien rather than Jason because they've used Dick, Tim, and Jason in Titans. So it would be a little weird to then set an entirely another show when you've already got that character 
active in one show already, unless they're going to take the same actor that played Jason in Titans and use him in this. I doubt that, no. But neither do I. So I wonder if they're going to go down the road of, of using Damien and the adopted son thing was... If it comes through, I would be very surprised if they, they do go with Damien because I feel like they I feel like they probably... Like, even though they say that everybody's working well together, there is no infighting, I feel they probably want Damien for something else. I, I don't know. It just the only two characters that seem to fit are Jason and Damien. Mm. And as I say, J- Jason's had like quite a major role in Titans recently. So it would seem a little weird to then suddenly use the character again in this and have a different person playing him. And that just seems a little odd to me. I mean, fine if that's what you want to do, but Damien seems to fit mm-hmm. that more. Plus, I'd be very happy to see of a live action version of Damien because Damien's one of I my I would as well, characters. but I'd be very surprised that they would put him in something like this. Yeah. On the CW. <laughs> yeah, because he is incredibly violent. I mean, Damien is a proper little psychopath and it would be quite interesting to see him on a show that was a HBO Max series where he could be chopping people's heads off and stuff rather than something like this, which is an Arrowverse series. So we'll see. But that's going up for a pilot. We'll see what happens with it. As I say, it, it is a CW show and it sort of feels like it possibly shouldn't be. It possibly should be a HBO Max series and be a bit more adult. But Belanti Productions producing it, so it's all those people involved with it. Okay. We'll see whether it actually makes it anywhere. But uh, that's one of the other pilots. Again, all three of those are pilots. So they may mm-hmm. or may not make it to series. We yeah. don't know yet. Have you talked in previous weeks about Zorro? No, actually, yes. That was the one other thing that they've mentioned. A female version of Zorro uh, yeah. is the other thing. Although they're not piloting that yet, but they have ordered some more scripts, I think, for Zorro. I don't know much more about it other than I saw that they'd ordered some scripts for it and it's got a female lead. But... Yeah, which seems like it's more like a shoe in if they're ordering more scripts for it. It's yeah. more epi- because it's episodes than that. Yeah. I think they're fairly happy and I think, was it they got, uh, is it Robert Rodriguez and his sister are at the helm? Ah, uh, right. I think, I think they've reasonably recently joined since Zorro, which was originally kicking around around NBC right. and then popped over here. So I feel like that one's more likely to come to pass. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, from the sound of it, it seems like a pretty good fit for the CW. Yes. I mean, that does seem like a good fit. I, I mean, the whole sort of DC thing seems to be migrating a bit more across onto the sort of HBO Max. Yeah. I, I, so I was quite surprised when they said that they were even piloting this for the CW, Gotham Knights series. I mean, the other two I sort of get, but I was surprised when they said Gotham Knights was going to pilot for the CW. I kind of thought they were starting to move a lot of those shows across onto HBO Max, but we'll see. We will. In other news, we have uh, Tales of the Walking Dead. They've announced the initial cast for the anthology series, which is the uh, Walking Dead episodic anthology thing. So every episode is slightly different. We have six original standalone stories that are, are going to be using new and established characters. The cast that they've announced are Anthony Edwards, who of course people will know from ER, Parker Posey from Lost in Space, Terry Crews from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Poppy Lou from Hacks and Better Call Saul, Gillian Bell from Bless the Hearts are the uh, cast that they've announced so far. We have no idea who anybody's actually playing in this, but um, I mean, interesting sort of actors that, to, to pop up. I mean, Terry Crews sort of, you know, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine to this is quite a jump. Anthony Edwards is a great actor. Uh, Poppy Lou's wonderful. Parker Posey's great. So... Yeah. I never really got into The Walking Dead, so I'm probably going to miss it because obviously it doesn't mean much to me. Yeah. Although I have often thought about starting Fear the Walking Dead, but I've just never made the plunge. It's because 
Um, it's a lot. They have that stuff in the 100s. I want to give it a chance, but yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I mean, as we said, every time they announce stuff to do with The Walking Dead, everybody always says, oh, it's dying, you know, that, but it, it is still... It doesn't seem to be. They seem to, it seems to be reasonably healthy in terms of yeah. yes, producing it's, stuff. Yes, and- its numbers on paper are a lot less than they were, but it's still a huge hit for AMC, otherwise they wouldn't yeah. keep it around. Um, you know, and they wouldn't be expanding the franchise and they are still expanding the franchise. Fear is still going. You've now got Tales coming out. You've got the movies coming out. You've got the Daryl and Carol show coming. So you've got lots and lots of stuff coming up for Walking Dead. It is not going anywhere. Yeah, anytime getting, this soon. is getting towards Arrowverse numbers in terms of how many different shows are being generated from it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think this is kind of an interesting little thing. I think an anthology, an episodic anthology series is a quite a good way for them to go because it's six original episodes allows you to introduce one-off characters if they work then you can find some way to be able to pick them up and maybe weave them into one of the main shows somewhere down the line or you can expand them into wider things if they don't work you don't have to see them again so you know and it also gives them an opportunity to bring back some of the older characters as well that maybe they've killed off at some point or have gone missing or you know it gives them an opportunity to be able to do something as one-off things with those characters because it's an anthology series it can be set like a, a certain point in time so you could go back in time a little bit and have something with some of the older characters and bring them back for an episode or something so there's lots of stuff they can do with it i think this is going to be kind of really interesting and i think they've got a really good bunch of people involved don't know where that's going to land that's the only problem in the uk because fear obviously premieres on amc global which is only available on bt so if you're one of the six people that have like bt tv then you can get it on there then fear then goes on to amazon 12 months afterwards so whether it will be the same for tales whether it launches on amc uk and then goes across onto amazon afterwards we don't know at the moment we'll have to wait and see what happens with that i would be very happy with with amc running these shows on their own channel if they actually made the channel available to more people it comes up a lot yeah where shows have their thing and they forget about the rest of the world yeah or they have some really strange deal that yeah. makes it See, so really hard to find yeah or I access mean, there is an amc channel in the uk but it is literally only available if you get bt sport direct from bt you used to be able to get it if you got the bt sports package from sky now it doesn't even come with that so it's not even on sky anymore so there is literally no way to get it as a Sky customer unless you actually have BT. And you can't just go and pay for the channel separately as like a, an Amazon channel or something like that, you know, like you can with things like Stars Play. Um, yeah. That would be the obvious way to do it. So it's really limited as to where you can get the AMC UK channel, which is such a shame because, I mean, they have a few... I mean, it's not a huge amount of decent shows, but they have a few decent shows out there and it would be nice if it was more widely available, but unfortunately it isn't. So I suspect it, Tales of the Walking Dead may launch on there or they may, I mean, AMC also do sell things on as well. I mean, it's like with uh, the main Walking Dead show doesn't go out on AMC, it goes out on Disney Plus in the UK. So we'll see whether they sell it to somebody else but it's quite possible it will end up on AMC. Mm. And lastly this week, we have uh, another spin-off show in development anyway. They haven't officially ordered this yet, but uh, it's a Starfleet Academy series. So spin-off from the It's Star- all about expanding universes. That's, yes. what, that's what the networking sects around the world say. It's all about expanding universes as they beat the table fiercely. Yes. 
Yes, it is. Absolutely. Starfleet Academy, as you would rather expect, it basically is set amongst the College of Cadets in the Star Trek universe, mentored for leadership in roles in the United Federation of Planets Space Force. Gaia Vilo, who is co-creator of the Stanicated mm-hmm. Leg Abstentia TV series, which was that was quite good. I watched the first season of it. I can't remember whether I watched the others, but uh, the first season was quite good. They are currently attached to work on the project. It's not actually the first time they've been developing one of this there was one back in 2018 they were talking about developing it with uh, Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage who were the people behind Runaways and the OC and Gossip Girl they were working on a version of it at one point as well but it sounds like that version has disappeared I think it's interesting and it's an obvious place to do it is to set yeah. something in the Starfleet Academy the thing is it's which timeline it sits in at this point because you've mm. got multiple timelines running you've got um, the future kind of Star Trek Discovery yeah. Discovery, yeah, Discovery Timeline. I would vote for that one because I think that's probably be the better place to put it. The other advantage you have with that is this may be possibly part of the setup is uh, minor spoilers for Discovery, but Tilly has gone off to become instructor at the Academy, the new Academy as they're sort of building up this new revamped version of Starfleet. So you would then be able to take one of the Discovery characters and kind of move it across. And that sort of feels like the natural I think that would really work, yeah. Yeah, that seems like a quite a natural sort of flow and they've introduced a couple of the kind of recruits in one of the episodes of Discovery as well so that sort of feels like maybe that's where they're possibly going with it the other option is of course you've got Strange New Worlds coming so you could set it in that sort of pre-original series timeline which would give you the opportunity of having a young Kirk in there as the lead yeah. um and the other option is you set it somewhere in the Picard timeline where you can basically just bring the next generation cast in to do kind of bit parts and service instructors and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I think all of those have some potential, possibly. Uh, Discovery one is the one that I kind of leaning towards like you. I yeah, think. I think so. I think just because of where we're at with Starfleet yeah. starting up on the day. It's, all, it's sort of like for those people who remember it, it's sort of like Enterprise. Yes. It's that sort of time when they're, they're just starting out, although they do have a name and they have a past but they don't have anything at the moment so I think that would be good I'm a big fan of Tilly and the actress who plays her yes. she's definitely one of the brighter points of the Michael Burnham show which can sometimes drag a bit so I'd hope but as you're I think you're about to say it's going to be a while before we see it so obviously things can change I know that actress is big in theatre so maybe she might not be available at that point mm-hmm. so we'll have to see yeah I mean that would be interesting I mean Tilly has been a very popular character uh, so yeah. I mean if if they went down that route and there's no guarantee they are going down that route because they've not given any details at all but that is one possibility that we were thinking that they could use uh, if they went down that route it would be nice to see that as I said there may be a temptation to go with a sort of young Kirk pre-Strange New Worlds or something that you can mm. run in parallel to Strange New Worlds as Kirk going through the academy while Strange New Worlds is off yeah. kind of in the chip that's a possibility I can sort of see working I think the less interesting one would be to set in the Picard timeline because much as I love that Next Generation cast I think Picard's doing something slightly interesting and a little different with those people and there's no mm-hmm. there's no major connection to the other shows as such because it's a very different part of the time period Discovery will be the one I would like to see but as I say um, they have said that they are they are developing it it is something that is potentially going to happen at the moment they're sort of saying you know they're starting to develop stuff now for 
things that is going to be sort of two or three years away. It's the same with the Section 31 series, which we do know is supposed to be coming. They haven't actually pitched it to Paramount Plus yet. They are at a point where they are going to be pitching it to Paramount Plus. That is supposed to be the next thing in line to be sort of up to be pitched, and hopefully that will move forward as well. So that's mm-hmm. the, that's the Michelle Yeoh fronted Section 31 show. I mean, before that, we have got Picard coming back on the 4th of March, Discovery back on the 11th of February. You've got Strange New Worlds landing 5th of May, which will probably be on Paramount Plus in the UK because Paramount Plus should have launched in the UK by then. And then oh, that's good. I didn't um, realise. Well, Paramount, Paramount Plus, the rumours are that Paramount Plus is launching in March. That is what they apparently have been saying they're aiming That's for. That's weird. They should because it's February. They really should be marketing if they they got a launch coming up. Well, yes. I mean, we could so. we could not we could stop hearing about Disney Plus when that was coming. Yeah, they've been very quiet about it, but we are being told that they are aiming for a March air date. Whether that happens or not, and maybe that's why they're still very quiet because maybe they've decided that they might move it. But who knows? And Picard, of course, which is the one thing that they're launching in March, is definitely not launching on Paramount Plus because that's going to Prime Video. So Picard Season 2 is on Prime Video. We think they're probably going to launch it with the Halo series because that launches on the 24th. That's on Paramount Plus in the US on the 24th. So I think... If it is going to launch in March, it seems likely that it will be mid to end of March and they'll probably launch it, use Halo as a launch series. But we'll see. None of that is confirmed at the moment. We don't know. But that is what they've been saying is the rumour is that they're aiming for a March launch. But there's lots of Star Trek stuff coming up all over the place anyway. So, you know, things to keep an eye out for. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Just some times for a few highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week. We have Disenchantment back for what is technically the second half of the second season, I think, actually, but it's part four. Anyway, that is uh, coming to Netflix on the 9th of February. That's Disenchantment. Uh, Fear Index, which is a new limited series that's coming on the 10th of February to Sky Atlantic. It's a fast-paced thriller based on the best-selling novel by Robert Harris. There's a trailer up for that. That looks like it could be quite good. The aforementioned Star Trek Discovery, that is back for uh, season 4B on Pluto TV. TV on the 11th of February. As I've said before, uh, if you don't want to have to be sat in front of Pluto TV to watch that, you can go and buy that season off Amazon Video, not Prime Video, because it isn't up on Prime, but you can go and actually pay money for it. It's about 15 quid for the whole season if you want to be able to watch it at your leisure rather than having to be sat in front of the Ooh. live Pluto TV. Hudson and Rex, that lands on the 13th of February. That's on Alibi for season four. That's at 7 p.m. So uh, Hudson Rex season four, Alibi, 13th of February at 7 p.m. Bel Air, which is the much talked about dramatic reboot of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That is coming to Peacock on the 14th of February, same time it launches in the US. Will Smith exec producing that. It is a sort of dramatic retelling of the Fresh Prince. Looks kind of interesting. I think I will give that a watch and see what it's like but 14th of February for that on Peacock and Traces season two of that crime drama that lands on Alibi on the 15th of February at 9pm for Traces season two and that is everything for this week kind of interested in the Bel Air thing I think and 
looking forward to having Discovery back. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having Discovery back as well. It's doing good. Obviously, I, I do have my issue with it, but I do enjoy it as a Star Trek show. Yeah, definitely. And I just wish they spent a little bit more time in the bridge crew. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I still don't know that blonde bridge crew person's name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. So, if they want to find more of your stuff, where can they find you? You can head over to HollywoodNorthNews.net, um, which is the site I run, and find out all the fun things about TV shows made in Canada. At the moment, there's a lot of talk about Hallmark changing its direction on its well-known Hallmark signature mysteries. Um, ah. So our next podcast will be reviewing one of those, the newest one that's come out, featuring Judy Gonzalo, for all you Supergirl fans out there. I also write from time to time on that hashtag show. You just search my name and find out what articles that came up. As I mentioned before, the latest article I have out there is the review of Chosen. So go and check out Daryl over on the, that hashtag show and on HollywoodNorthNews.net. For other people involved in the show, you can uh, go and find Bex at twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites, who is streaming daily over on the twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's B-Y-T-E-S. Lots of fun stuff over there. Her stream on um, Sunday was very funny. She uh, got invaded by a cat once again, even though she doesn't have a cat. That was quite good fun. And you can go and find Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org alongside Robert for lots of more podcasts over there. For us, you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.